Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. It's my honor now to invite a dear friend up, a great leader, and this woman has impacted my life. She is incredible, generous. She's incredible, gifted. But man, does she has a heart for God. She has a testimony of deep pain in her life. But man, is she holding on to the Lord. CJ, we can't wait to hear what God laid on your heart. And man, are we so excited to receive from you today. Thank you for the incredible leader that you are. And thank you for being a leader in this service. We love and appreciate you. Thank you. Awesome. Cool. Good afternoon, everybody. Just make sure everything's working. Cool. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here this morning to share the word of God with you. Um, I'm a little nervous, so be nice. <laughs> cool. So we're in week two of our redefined series, Relating Like People Matter, and we're talking about relationships, the different kind of relationships we have. So Sai last week spoke to us about um, friends with benefits, <laughs> and it's not what you think, <laughs> um, but just having good um, friendships and how to conduct ourselves in that space. And this morning, I'm going to speak to you about friends zoned. <laughs> So here we're talking about relating to others in the single and the dating space. But now before all the married people and those of you in a relationship check out, don't. (laughs) I'm a huge believer in the fact that regardless of our situation that we're reading about in the Bible, God's word is always relevant to us because it reveals who he is and it reveals about who we are. So um, don't check out. When Paul wrote his letters to the church, he addressed each aspect of the community. He spoke to singles. He spoke to the marrieds. He spoke to kids. And then he spoke to men, and he spoke to women. So um, there's great precedence for the fact that you should need to pay attention. There is something here for you today. So 1 Corinthians 7.17 says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my only rule to all the churches. And what the scripture is talking about is that um, regardless of the situation that you're in in your life, live it well. Live it for God. God's placed you in the season for a time, um, and you need to live it well. And the problem is very often when it comes to singleness, the church has perpetuated this idea that marriage is the goal, and the world has perpetuated the idea that relationships are the goal, that this is what we're aiming for, and this is what we need to strive towards. And the problem with this idea is that we become so frustrated in the single space because we start to feel like our singleness is a trial that we have to overcome, and an obstacle we need to get over in order to achieve our ultimate goal, which is being in a relationship. And then the problem is with that is that when we finally get into marriage, we become very quickly disillusioned because marriage is hard. (laughs) All right, I was married for 13 years, and I got divorced. I've been divorced for four years now, and I can tell you both sides are hard. (laughs) All right? I saw this thing on a friend's Facebook page that said, like, being fit is hard. It's hard work. It takes commitment. Being unfit is hard. Going up two flights of stairs when you can't breathe, it's hard. 
but choose your heart. Whatever situation you're in, do it with all your heart. Live it. God has something for you in this space. It is not a trial to overcome. Cool. All right. Sorry, that's what I just said. Never mind. (laughs) I'm in the zone. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When you look at the law, it really governs three things. It governs our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and our relationship with ourselves. So that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about this morning as we look at the friend zone in the singleness space. Um, I'm going to be talking about me in this space, them in this space, and God in this space. So me in this space. Uh, Love others as you love yourself. That's what the scripture says. If you want to love others well, you need to start from that healthy space of actually loving yourself first. You can love others when you don't love yourself, but I know from personal experience, when I hated myself, I did not love others very well. It has to come from a place of first accepting yourself. Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts, You knitted me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So we quote the scripture a lot when we're talking about body positivity, right? I know growing up as a girl and the girls around me, the scripture got thrown at us a lot. Can we also just take a quick moment to acknowledge that boys need to hear the scripture too? They are also wonderfully and beautifully made, and they also have body positivity issues that need to be addressed, all right? But yeah, but the thing is the scripture actually starts by saying, you formed my inward parts. Um, And he's not talking about how lovely your lungs are or how beautiful your stomach lining looks. He's talking about your mind, that God actually made that as well. It's not just our bodies. So to me, this is like a lot of what the mind is. It it talks about our identity, right? Who we are. So identity is defined as um, how I see myself, how others see me. And then in between this is lies I believe about myself, and misconceptions I have about how people see me. So to give you an example, um, I I work with two very amazing women, and um, I'll often come into the office and I'll be like, my hair is just, I'm having such a bad hair day. And they'll look at me like I'm nuts, and they're just like, your hair looks amazing, what's wrong with you? (laughs) And um, this is it, like I expect them to see me the way that I see myself, and they don't. But anyway, so that's everything that kind of makes up our identity. How we see ourselves, how others see us. One of the biggest lies that we've kind of been taught in the modern age is that we get to identify ourselves, create our own identity. We hear this all the time. Reinvent yourself, remake yourself, recreate yourself, be a new you. And the irony about these things is normally what's happening is people are actually just dealing with their insecurities and becoming who they were originally anyway. (laughs) 
But we buy into the lie that we get to determine who we are, and that's not true because we didn't create ourselves. Therefore, we cannot recreate ourselves. God created us, and he created you beautifully and wonderfully. So when I think of identity, I think of two kind of core issues, uh, core things. Identity is huge. I love it. I could speak for hours on it. But I'm just going to talk about two aspects this morning. And the first is our core identity. And this is the identity that God has given to each and every single one of us. And if you want to know what it is, read your Bible. (laughs) No one is ever going to stand up here and give you a shortcut around having to read the Bible. You will always need to read it. Please start somewhere. Doesn't matter. Start in Proverbs. Start in Psalms. Just start. It's good. Um, But I'll give you some things today. So the first thing is obviously what the scripture in Psalm 139 says. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created with a plan and a purpose to be known by God and to know God and to make him known. You are loved. It doesn't matter if everybody else on the planet rejects you. God will never reject you. He loves you. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are always loved. That is a part of your identity. You are not a mistake. I don't care if your parents' condom broke, mom forgot her pull. I don't care if you're a failed abortion attempt. God decreed that you were to be born here and now. You're not before your time. You're not after your time. God said, now and here. And that is who you are. When we start to grasp these aspects of our core identity, it changes the way that we show up in the world and the way that we relate to other people. Because these things do not change, because God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if you want to know these things, read your Bible. (laughs) Then the other aspect is that we do have unique identity, right? Even if you have the same personality type as another person, you are still completely unique, all right? And um, I spent most of my 20s trying to be this picture-perfect Christian woman. And the funny thing is, I created the picture-perfect, right? (laughs) But it came from women that I admired and I respected, wonderful Christian women. But this is kind of what she looked like. She was graceful. She kind of like glided across the floor. Her words were always kind and encouraging and full of wisdom. And she was cool and calm under pressure. And I am absolutely none of those things. (laughs) I'm somewhat clumsy. I tend to trip rather too often. I always have bruises because I cut corners and I'm in my head and I don't pay attention to my environment and I walk into things. There's nothing wrong with me, I just don't pay attention. Um, And I am not calm under pressure. (laughs) Um, I get the job done and I do it well, but if you add to me, the amount of sarcasm in my brain will be leashed upon you. (laughs) Um, So I was miserable trying to be this woman that it was impossible for me to be like because it's not the way God created me to be. And when I had this revelation that he created me to be who he made me to be, I found that the first thing that happened is my relationships changed because I was being authentic in my relationships. I was being me. And I also found that doors started to open because now I was being the key I needed to be to unlock those doors. There's this story going around about this guy from China who divorced and then um, sued his wife for fraud. And the story um, kind of goes that before he, he found out that she'd had a lot of cosmetic surgery done before they got married. And then they had a baby, and the baby did not match. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on how wrong that is, but he sued her for fraud. And the thing is that, in principle, he's not wrong. 
she did lie. She never told them that she'd had the cosmetic surgery. And the thing is, we so often do cosmetic surgery on our personalities. We get told things like we're too loud, we're not loud enough. We're too opinionated, we're not opinionated enough. And so we kind of suppress and change and exaggerate parts of our personality because we want to be accepted. Um, but the problem, in, particularly in the dating space, the problem with doing this is that you get into a relationship with somebody and at some time along the way, they're going to look at you and say, but you're not who I thought you were. And they're going to be right. And then you're going to have to repent because you lied. <laughs> so this is why it's so important that we actually do the work and we allow God to do the work inside of us so that we can be authentic in the relationship we have. This is honor. To honor other people is to also present yourself as who you really are. And if they don't like you, guys, it's okay. Because God loves you. Other people like you. You don't need to strive like this to get the approval. You'll never get the approval of any, everyone anyway. Because we're all so different. The other thing is, like, if you don't know who you are, how can you know what you're looking for? So, for example, I'm very introverted. And I know people don't believe me, but I am. It's because I've learned how to operate <laughs> in spite of my personality. And I'm going to throw this in for free. Personality is not an excuse for bad behavior. All right? You can't just go, well, that's my personality. No, God will fix you. All right? <laughs> we submit everything to Christ when it is ungodly. So, but anyway, so I'm super introverted, and I know if I were to marry another introvert, we will never leave the house, <laughs> because we will be quite content in each other's company and staying at home. So when I'm looking in the dating space, I am looking for an extrovert. Now, I'm not saying two introverts can't marry, all right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for me personally, because I know myself, and I know what God has called me to, and I know where I need to go, it helps me decide who I want to engage with in that space. So you need to know who you are to do the work. Okay. I keep forgetting about the slides. <laughs> All right. Them in this space. So now, if you thought I was going to sit here and complain and say, men, you need to be like this, women, you need to be more like this, you are incorrect. <laughs> it still comes about, it's still about you. It's still about your heart, because that's what God's interested in. He'll deal with the rest, but he wants to deal with you. So the scripture here is, love others as you love yourself. So we've worked on the self, now we need to love others. And to me, this is about worth versus being worthy. So we live in a swipe left culture, right? Especially in the dating space. You get your profile with Mr. Cutie Pie or Miss Cutie Pie and a little brief bio. And in a second, you have to decide, is this person worth my time? And we, we've set up, so if they are, you swipe right, and if they're not, you swipe left. And the problem with this is that what we use to make those decisions is so often very ungodly because the way that we value people is not always godly. It's not his system. We also kind of speak in terms of like leagues, right? You know the thing, he's out of my league. So here's what happens when we do this, right? We're like scales. And when we go, he's so out of my league, like he's up here and I'm immediately down here. We can say it another way, right? He's so out of my league. Like, he's down here and I'm up here. And what we're doing is we're placing value on that person, but we're also immediately placing value on ourselves. But our value system is broken. I'm not saying swipe right on everyone, okay? <laughs> Have some discretion. <laughs> This is where having something in the dating space is a nice tool, but having a list is actually helpful. And um, I know that that's shocking, 
But what I mean is, so um, have a list that is submitted to the values of Christ. All right. So my list that I do have has three non-negotiables on it. And the first one everybody in this room should have if you're in the dating space. He needs to love God with all his heart, all his mind, with all his soul. And that needs to reflect in his life. Because I've seen a lot of profiles. I love Jesus. Jesus is wonderful. And then uh, he wants to sleep with me on date number three. Oh, well, somebody's not living in lordship. Um, If they want to get drunk every Friday night, not living in lordship. So you want to look for those things. The other two non-negotiables are personal for me. They're things that matter to me, like not smoking and things like that. Um, And then the other part of my list is preferences. So this is where I put things like, yeah, I prefer a guy who's taller than me. But the reason I say preference is because I acknowledge that what is best for me might not come in the package that I think it's going to come in. So I'm not married to the preference list. It's just what I'd like. But... I know that God knows better than me, and what I think I might need and what I think I want might not actually be what God has for me. But we need to understand God is not a spiteful God. He doesn't show you amazing and then give you second best. He does not give you crumbs from his table. He lays a feast for you. Whatever he has for you is good. See, he knows where you're going to be in 10, 15, 20 years from now. That Psalm 139 said, you knew all the days that were laid out for me. So he knows who you need by your side to get through the things that you're going to have to traverse through. So we need to change the narrative, right? To stop saying, like, he's not good enough, she's not good enough, or I'm not good enough. And this is it. We have to understand our worth, what we are worth, because we do have worth. Do you want to know what your worth is? You are worth the life of a God, not just a God, the God, the only God, the creator God. See, Jesus Christ came down, and he lived the perfect life, the life we were supposed to live, and then he died in your place for the punishment and the death that you should have died. In one single moment, Jesus faced the wrath of his loving Father for the sins not just of your life, every life that came before you, the billions of people currently on this planet, and everybody, we don't know how many coming after us. In one moment, he took it all on himself. That is your worth, and it was because he loved you. If you were the only person who said yes to his sacrifice, he still would have done it. If no one accepted Jesus Christ, he would still have done it, because that is your worth. He loves you that much. It doesn't change either. The flip side of that is that the person you just swipe left on because their ears are too big, that's their worth. That is their worth. The person you're cold-shouldering at work because you didn't like what they did, that is their worth. We have to change the narrative. We have to understand that when we deal with people, they have worth just like you do. So the question doesn't become, what are they worth? It becomes, are they worthy? Now, I know this is confusing because the word worthy has worth in it. But um, that's not the same thing. To be worthy actually means uh, to have or show the qualities that deserve the specific action or regard. To have the qualities that deserve that action or regard. So you're looking for somebody who has particular qualities. And that changes the game. See, the thing is, you're not looking for a relationship. Relationship's easy. Guys, go to the bar go to a club, 
Relationships easy. You know, Beyonce says, I can have another you in a minute. Um, relationships easy. But when you start remembering that you're not looking for a relationship, you're actually looking for a person to do the rest of your life with, that changes what you're looking for. You become far more intentional about who you're engaging and who you're allowing into that space. But the flip side of the coin, are you worthy of the person that you're trying to pursue? You have to do the work. Be somebody who's worthy. So to become somebody worthy, we need God in this space. <laughs> All right? We've got to do the work. So this is the love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. This is the most important thing. This is the first commandment, the commandment that encompasses everything, that makes everything make sense, and also enables us to do these things, right? Because loving others is not easy. Even when you're in a marriage, it's still sometimes, guys, it's tough. <laughs> it's like loving your siblings, right? Sometimes it's tough. <laughs> But it's God, when we've got our relationship with God, it's what enables us to change and to love others the way that he asks us to love, the way that he loves. So this means that you need to be in the word. You need to be spending your time reading your Bible, not just doing verse of the day, but actually reading whole chapters. I know it seems hard, but I promise it's worth it. We need to be spending time praying, praying for others, praying for ourselves, praying about our lives. And we need to spend time in God's presence, just with him, being with him, sharing what we're going through, sharing our frustrations, what's happening in our lives. When we've got this, I mean, the single space is such an awesome time to do this because you don't have conflicting responsibilities and loyalties. You can do this. And this is why Paul encourages young people to do this. It's a great space, and you're going to need it when you get into marriage. Trust me. And also, if you, if you haven't, sometimes, because sometimes we do this as well, we allow relationships to eclipse God's place. And if we haven't built the habits and the foundations in our lives, I mean, when we get into the relationship, God's going to fall into second place. And that's not okay. So we need to spend our time doing and putting these disciplines in place. And if you're in marriage and you find that you haven't done that, it's okay. There's grace. God's always good. And you can start today. It's, it's never too late. So what this also means is that when I'm in the single space or when I'm in the dating space, that I'm engaging with God with what I'm going through, right? If I'm feeling frustrated, I can go to God and talk to him. But so often, because we're frustrated, because we feel hurt, because we're looking at singleness as being this trial we have to get overcome, we, we disengage from God because we feel hurt, because we feel frustrated. We feel like he's not a good God because he's not giving us this thing that we're striving for. You see how it's important to change all the things and get them in alignment? I once um, spoke to a guy who, um, I asked him, like, when you speak to God about your future wife and, and girlfriends and dates, uh, um, the dating space, like, what's that conversation with God like? And his response kind of floored me, because <laughs> what he said, bless his heart, oh, I don't ask God for things. I was like, okay, point one. Not a thing. <laughs> this is a person that you want to do the rest of your life with, the future mother of your children, kind of important. Yeah. And then I asked him, like, you know, I had, he knew he had a good relationship with his dad. So I was like, don't you talk to your dad about girls that you have crushes on? And so he goes, like, yes, I do. So I was like, then why don't you talk to your heavenly father about it? See, we so often just leave God out of the space. We feel like we can't talk to him about the fact that, yeah, there's someone who's caught our eye and they're really nice. 
I actually think God loves it when we talk to him about these things because he's actually really proud of his sons and daughters. My parents loved introducing me to their friends. I hated it because I was an introvert. (laughs) But um, my parents loved it, and it's because they were proud that I was their daughter. So God loves it when we interact and when we see um, his children, and he wants to talk to us about it. It doesn't mean that you're destined to be together, but it does mean that God's just proud to introduce you to his children. There's also the space where we build good, healthy friendships, right? Where we build relationships. So we need to be interacting with each other. We need to be learning how to navigate this space because everything we learn, we're going to take one day into into our marriages and our other relationships. Sometimes we kind of, we don't, so we, we, sometimes we leave God out the space and then sometimes we treat God like he's a genie in a bottle. Like if I rub this lamp enough, God will give me what I want, even if they don't actually want me anyway. (laughs) So um, it's, it's good to talk to God about these things, but we need to listen. So I was talking to another guy a couple of weeks ago, and um, I, I could hear his, his philosophy was a little off. Um, he was saying he uses the Bible as his moral compass, but I was informing him his compass was incredibly broken because he still wasn't living. He was picking and choosing his morality to what was convenient, basically. And his response to me was, oh, at least I'm being honest, other guys will lie to you. And I said to him, I'm not scared of that. It's okay, they can lie. And he laughed at me, and I said, no, I'll tell you why. So I said, first and foremost, lies come to light around me. Why? Because I carry the presence of God, and lies cannot be in God's presence. If you ever worked, entered a workspace and suddenly drama started kicking up with lies coming to place, because of the presence of God in you. But stuff cannot survive inside of him, so I'm not scared, you can lie. Secondly, I'm a good judge of character because God gave me discernment. So I can, I can tell. It's a gift God gave me. It's part of my personality as well, but it's something I've learned to trust, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> and I was like, thirdly, I actually talk to God about the guys that I engage with, and God tells me things. And he's like, oh, what did God tell you about me? Well, that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> so I was like, God told me you're not the one. <laughs> I'm very direct. Um, so, and, but it was true, though, because within like 20 minutes in the conversation, I felt it in my spirit. God just said, no, not this one. It's like when Samuel was looking for David, and he went to all David's brothers, which each and every single one, he said, Lord, is this the one? And God said, no, move on. We need to learn to listen to what God is saying. We need to hear the Holy Spirit. God wants to tell us. He doesn't want you to get into relationships that are going to hurt you and break you. He doesn't want you to to give your heart to people who are not worthy of you. So listen to what he is saying. And if he says move on, guys, move on. Do it in an honoring way, though, because this is what this is all about, right? We love others as we love ourselves. This means don't ghost with no reason. Please, don't do that. So dishonoring. It means we have the awkward conversations. But it means we also invest where we need to invest. So we need to also ask new questions, right? So there's this guy that I'm very interested in. He's passed all my checks, no red flags, really great. But I also know that I I have blind spots. So what I'm asking God is not, is he the one, is he the one, is he the one? Because God's not going to tell me, very likely. That's like the exception to the rule most of the time. Um, because also he knows that I'm very obsessive and uh, it's not helpful for me because it's not the right time. But I've learned that I need to ask God. What I started asking instead was, Lord, what do I need to ask in order to find out what I need to find out? What are the questions I should be asking? How should I be engaging in this space? So we need to change the way that we engage with God. We always want shortcuts. 
We always want the answers before we're ready, and God's not going to say that, and then we get frustrated because he's not telling us, but it's because we're not listening to what he's actually saying to us in this space. So we need to love God, we need to love others, we need to love ourselves. You need to do the work. We need to do the work. So I'm kind of wrapping up. There are three people that I'd really like to pray for this morning, and the first one is all of us because I think all of us are guilty of relating to people with a faulty value system, of looking at people from our own sense of what makes them valuable and what makes them worthwhile. So if we can all just stand, I wanna pray for all of us. If that's you, you can just pray in your heart. I'm just gonna pray a prayer of repentance for the way that we relate to other people. Lord Jesus, I just wanna thank you that you are a good, good father. I thank you that you are a loving God who loves us, Lord, the Jesus, that you gave your life for each and every one of us. And Lord God, I thank you that you love the person next to us, the people that frustrate us, the people that anger us, the people that we think don't deserve love. Lord God, you love them just like you love us. And we as your people, Lord Jesus, have incorrectly valued other people and treated them in a way that is less than honoring. We repent, Lord Jesus. We repent, Lord God, of treating people in a way that does not reflect your love and your heart. We ask, Lord God, that you would come and you would change our heart, that we would learn to see others the way that you see them, Lord God, learn to love them the way that you love them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Second person I want to pray for is if you struggle with your sense of worth and your sense of value, when I spoke about how much God loves you, If that is something you struggle with, won't you just raise your hand now? I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your precious children. I thank you, Lord God, that to you, we are the most precious things in all the world. That You created everything for us because you love us, because you want to know us, Lord God, and you want us to know you. And for every heart here, Lord God, that doesn't know how much you love them and how much they're worth, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now and move inside of them, that you would reveal yourself and your love to them right now, Lord God. Just come, Holy Spirit, and settle in their hearts that they are loved, that they have worth, that they have purpose and meaning, Lord God. Reveal it to them as they walk through the the, rest of this week, Lord God, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt they have worth. They have purpose and they are loved by you. And we break every lie that the devil has woven around them, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we break it right now. Every lie shattered in submission to the truth of what Christ says about who we are. Thank you, Jesus. Last person I want to pray for is if you have never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and you would like to do that today, you would like to enter into a relationship with this Father, I ask that you just raise your hand now. We just want to pray with you. We're not going to make you do anything weird. I know it's embarrassing, but we've all done this. So if that's you this morning, why don't you just raise your hand now? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, God, we just thank you that you are a good, good Father, that you want us to relate to your children in a way that reflects your heart and reflects your love. I pray, Lord God, that you would be with us as we go into this week. Teach us, Lord God, how to honor you and how to honor others and how to honor ourselves in the way that we behave and treat other people. Thank you for your word, Lord God, in your name. Amen.